Hello and welcome to Only Just Pops. Right, today's guest, our very first guest, is the main man Adam Linus. Now, Adam is the head chef. Of, I am gonna get this wrong, but La Takira. Takaria. Takaria. How many times do you have to be told how to pronounce that? Yeah, I think I've been told about ten times today. But Takaria. Takaria. Right? Yeah. And what does that mean? A place that makes tacos. Place that makes tacos. I'm not the chef. I'm the takero. So a takero makes tacos in a takeria. Right. Uh, we're getting you know. Right. Learning so some new languages today. Yeah, that's I'm learning how to pronounce them too. But <laughs> bit, of, bit of culture for change. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not cultured. I'm so not cultured. Takaria. Yeah, yeah. The very next topic. Right. So. I, me and Adam go way back, so we go back to school. I think, Adam, you were my brother's year, yeah? I was, eh? You were, and I believe at school, like, well, you know, when you're young, you tend to be a bit of a rebel. Does that maybe sum me up? I'd say more contrarian than rebel. Right. Yeah, well, it wasn't uh, any sort of leather jacket wearing motorbike or anything like that. I right, just yeah, yeah. I just didn't fo- fall into the same sort of norms as everybody Conform else. To it. Yeah, no, I sort of felt that myself. Yeah. I felt yeah. at school it was like... I don't know, hard. You have to do these set subjects and yeah, yeah. it wasn't really cool for me. But yeah, what about school then? How was, how was it? I, I, f- I thought it was okay. I didn't do much outside school. Like I never really did homeworks and things like that. But it was, I was able to just breeze by all right with the exams and things without having to work too much outside school. It was all, it all felt kind of easy to me right up until A-level. And then it was really difficult. So yeah, yeah no, I, I kind of enjoyed it and met some good people there and still have friends from from them. You stayed all the way through to your A-levels, was it? Or? I stayed into the first year of A-levels, yeah. But it was mm-hmm. at about that time that I discovered I enjoyed cooking. Vamos. And uh, vamos. Is that? So yeah. how did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've been watching too many Westerns. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about the, about the same time I discovered that I enjoyed cooking was about the same time I discovered that A-level physics and chemistry were a lot more difficult than they were the year before. <laughs> so yeah, just the, the things all fell into line for me there. So how did you end up here? Here, two restaurants. Two restaurants. Well, it's a long story. I've been I've been cooking Go for, for about twenty years now. Um, I started in a wee place in Helens Bay. I was washing dishes, um, and I started helping out in the kitchen, and really started enjoying it. Uh, I would turn up a couple of hours early for work every day just to, to learn more things. It was mm-hmm. like back then it was like sorcery to me. How do you make raw ingredients? Make. So did you start as a chef though? But our. Well, I started yeah, as a dishwasher. Oh, yeah. Dishwasher? yeah, yeah. I started as a KP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where all the best chefs start. I find. Yeah, uh, yeah just working from the ground up and then training through every section. Um, yeah, I worked there for about a year or so. They were closing down and I was looking for another part-time job. I wanted to maybe continue studies or do something maybe hospitality related as yeah. a qualification because I thought yeah. that's always been drummed into your head from a yeah. kid. You need your qualifications to do X, you Y, and Z. You any job in life unless you've got the qualifications. It says you can How do it, which it is so very, bad. very wrong. It's right for some people. They can't just wing it as a lawyer, like, but yeah. or for, uh, for a chef or <laughs> things like that. Have you not seen suits? No. Uh, I suppose, yeah. Better call Solo. Okay, you can't wing it as a dentist or something yeah. or like that. That's you need a discipline before, yeah. but to be for something vocational, something hands-on like this or plumbing mechanics something hands on you want to learn on the job um yeah which is which is what it did um uh, like i said i was working in that place for about a year so they closed down i was looking for something part-time um and i phoned just the best restaurants i could find in belfast i phoned right. dane's roscoff mm-hmm. uh shanks um and i got offered a job in roscoff Mm-hmm. Uh, which was at the time was a one-star restaurant. That was you being proactive. You see, you're ringing them instead of like waiting for the thing to come up. Oh, they were never going to ring me. I was yeah. only seventeen yeah, yeah. and had no skills, no nothing. No, no. I, I think to, I that's the way to do it, though. Yeah. You have to like throw yourself out there and like almost break down the doors rather than wait yeah. for them to open for you. You know. Yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, well, my first head chef, uh, Steve, he lent me a book uh, called White Heat by Marco Pierre White, mm-hmm. which is just a, a game changer 
cookbook for British chefs yeah. and his attitude was you have to go out and do it. Um, mm -hmm. Where he found all his jobs was he just went to the back door, wrapped the back door, the best restaurants he could find. So he said, I want to work here. That's a note there. So what book was that? White Heat. White Heat. So any budding chefs out there, White Heat. It's an absolute game changer. We'll post yeah. an affiliate link below. Yeah, it was yeah. the original rock star chef. It was uh, Marco Pierre White. And yeah. until then, it was these chefs in the big, point, big tall hats and the medals mm -hmm. around their necks and doing competitions. Marco Pierre White, was a, he looked like a... He looked like a, a rock star, long hair, cigarette hanging out of their mouth. He looked like he hadn't slept in like days. Mm -hmm. As cheesy as it sounds, would that be your inspo then? Would that sort of like this guy sort of is what you were inspiring to be sort of be? Or it, well, it, like it's sort of a, okay, you can, it, this looks like a cool job to be in. Yeah. And, yeah. and getting into that sort of that atmosphere of a, of a busy kitchen with skilled, hardworking staff, um, it's, it's a bit of camaraderie in it. It's kind of, all in together sort of thing yeah, um you yeah. got a real like, i was always quite shy reserved sort of guy still am but working in the kitchen busy kitchen like that really brings it out of you there's a load of banter and a load of carry on going on but you're busting your balls working 70 yeah. hours a week yeah. and it's yeah you really feel it well it's that there's a total random tangent question there so should a head chef be like what the stereotypical gordon Ramsay is the asshole the fuck this Ab uh, absolutely not well, yeah. saying that, there, there are some people who thrive on that sort of yeah. environment. There's probably the same people that would do well in the SAS, yeah. mm -hmm. but that's not is me. Is there justification for it, though? Would you think that, that, obviously, this is more probably in the, your personal way of how you deal with your workers, but would it be, like, do you feel that that is a way to motivate them by telling them to hurry the fuck up and... No. No, absolutely not. I, I like to try and inspire people to do the best for themselves because that's yeah. that's what you should be doing yeah. i want people I to to work out of respect for themselves and respect for the food rather than fear yeah. it's not <laughs> like it's an already it's already quite a quite a tense environment there's a busy night in the kitchen yeah. and you don't need some ball buster on your shoulder yeah. the whole time you know Couldn't do with that. i mean i've no problem telling somebody they're doing something wrong that's fine the second time you do the same thing wrong you yeah maybe you might get maybe you might get my best swear words coming out of me like <laughs> but yeah i'd rather just inspire them to like to inspire them to do the best they can and be proud of what they're doing yeah and not because that's what they should be doing not just because they'll get the ball busted if they don't you know mm -hmm. um like some people yeah really thrive in that i've worked with guys that just thrive and on the constant pressure and fear um but it's not for me like that's why i never went to work in london because yeah. it is that back then in the, in the late 90s early 2000s it was like that it was a very military kind of environment yeah. um and even the the sections in the kitchen are, are laid up like that it's a kind of kind of military environment uh whereas in here i don't really have positions for people it's you're just in the team like yeah that's cool. there's me on the team and we're all a team together that's cool teamwork makes the dream work we've been off on a bit of a tangent let's go back how what did you end up with two restaurants oh yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i just went through yeah <laughs> just moved up the ranks slowly um working the couple of the best kitchens i could find and working roscoff uh, the head chef from there, uh, a guy called Aidan Byrne, mm -hmm. you've probably seen on the Great British Menu and things like that. He was, he's a, a fantastic chef. Uh, he was leaving there to go to Dublin mm -hmm. uh, to work in a place called Peacock Alley, another one star. And he brought me down there with him. Uh, I spent a bit of time there, but I got my head melted down there. It was, yeah. it was one of those London-style hardcore kitchens. Um, 15 chefs, no team. Everyone was 
out for themselves, even going as far as to sabotage other people's stuff to make oh, themselves wow. look good. I used, to have to, I used to have to hide my containers in the roof panel so people wouldn't steal them. Uh, the sous chef was crazy. deliberately not doing your order. You give them the order list and they deliberately not do it so you're in the shits the next day and having to run about. It was just a bad, that's bad. That's what would probably breed then the aggro in the kitchen, if you know what I mean. So that's probably why. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah, feel sure. myself turning into one of those fuckers. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't, just wasn't a nice way, nice way to work. And it was yeah. hard. It was... 80 to 90 hours a week of just misery. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. fun at all. I could feel myself burning out and I could feel myself turning into one of these aggressive, shouty chefs. I made a guy cry once back then and yeah, nice. it just made me feel terrible. I was shouting at him for not making a mayonnaise, right? And I could see the, the bottom lip starting to go, Shit, I did that, that's not nice. <laughs> so uh, I left there before. You turned into Gordon Ramsay? I turned into, yeah. Turned nice. into, yeah <laughs> Gordon Ramsay without the skills at that stage. <laughs> yeah. So I left there, I came back up home uh, I was working in a place in Donegadee for a while, mm-hmm. um, which gave me a lot of freedom to do my own thing. Uh, I could try different specials and different things, and I could do it kind of my own pace, which I found I got much better, much quicker doing that on my own kind of trial and error, <clears throat> uh, reading books and trying recipes out and seeing what worked and what didn't. Um, I've always, I've always been lucky that I'm quite self-critical and I've, yeah. I don't mind doing something wrong and realizing it's wrong or realizing it can be better. I don't. I'm not content with what I do yeah. very often. So I was always kind of improving that way. And my plan was to stay there maybe a year or so and I ended up staying three, three and a half years there. What type of food was it? So it was kind of, it was when, it's a horrible word, but gastro pubs were just yeah. starting. Um, yeah. Kind of relaxed atmosphere serving chef quality food. Uh, like before that, pubs we were getting usual pie and mash and things like that. Whereas somewhere like that was doing nice fish specials and just yeah. things, stuff with a bit of love. And it was because of chefs probably had had a similar background to me who were working in good places, didn't really like the, the attitude in the places, had the skills but wanted something more relaxed. So they're going into more relaxed places, doing really good food, but without chasing Michelin stars and chasing yeah, yeah. these high-end awards of perfection that mm-hmm. even when you get them, what's next? Don't you? People work their whole careers to get their three stars or get their, their yeah. top rating and then they're just left with a sense of emptiness. It's like, right, what's next? They've always, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've reached this goal they've been pushing towards and then they're lost. Um, whereas my, it, my goal is just to, to do a good job every day and enjoy what I'm doing and yeah. treat the staff well and things like that. So yeah, um, I did Donegal Day for three and a half years and then I was 24 at this point. What age are you now? 37. 37. Uh, I was 24 then. And I realized I still had more learning to do. Um, I needed to go back to a good kitchen and learn off somebody else. I think it, it sort of reached my limits of what mm-hmm. what I could do, just reading books. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to work for Brian McCann in Shoe. Um, All right, yeah. <laughs> spent almost four years there. And he, he turned me from a good cook into a good chef. Um, he had that, that discipline and that he was fairly hardcore, still is, but he, he did it in such a way that it brought the best out of you. Um, yeah. and just his sense of standards uh, was something I'd never seen before. He just had the highest, highest standards all the time. Every plate that went out had to be perfect for you to do it again. So at that point in your life, were you ever looking for any, to go down any particular route? Like, was there, were you wanting to specialize? Obviously, Mexicans, where you've ended up, but were you thinking at that point, no, I want to be like fine dining or I want to be gastro? Or would- yeah, it was, uh, it's drummed in the most chefs in, in this continent that's, the best food is French and Italian. So you sort of feel you have to go down that route? Kind or? of feel you have to go down that route. Um, about 
with Marco Pierre White and other chefs like mm-hmm. himself, it gave British food a good name again. It showed that the British food could be good. Yeah. But most of it was French and Italian, or at least French Italian expi- inspired or French Italian techniques. Yeah. With some British food, uh, it's only really in the late two thousands that British food got its a real name of of being a, a contender in the world stage. Um, so how did you end up with Mexican? The, I moved from Shoe, moved over to Canada, mm-hmm. um, Montreal. Uh, spent nine years there, um, and the second year there, I met Elisa. Um, she's from Mexico. She's from Monterrey, Mexico. She was over to study there. Mm-hmm. Um, she had to go back home in uh, November or December of the year I met her. I went over to meet her in Mexico in the January, and had my first taste of Mexican food and it was just, it was like a truck hit me. I was like, whoa, these guys yeah. know what they're doing. It yeah. was, I really love this, the style of the Mexican food. Everything that's done in Mexican food is there for the flavor. Mm-hmm. And there's no faffing about with wonky presentations and tweezers and making things look pretty. It's all about the flavor. There's a lot of work goes into it, a deceptive amount of work goes into it. Yeah. And it's all about making it the tastiest thing. Well, I, I would have to say that I'm totally biased. Like, I love Mexican food. It's definitely my favorite food of everything. Um, now, seeing what I've been to your restaurant a couple of times, and I absolutely love it. It's just, it's particularly good for Mexican, what you're used to over here. And it tends to, obviously, people would class Mexican as a, like, brandish a lot of smaller places, which aren't really authentic Mexican. But that's what appealed to me so much about yours, because it is the real deal and the fact that you how long were you in you were in mexico then for i've been many times i've been like i've been 20 times now to mexico right. um wow. but the longest i've stayed i stayed for three months i've stayed for about four or five months mm-hmm. um but most of the rest of the time was three weeks four weeks two weeks here and there just traveling back and forwards because yeah. i had to work as well so yeah, yeah, yeah. i was going back and forwards yeah but every time would meet there would go to a different city or a different state or or something like that to see more and more of the food that way and it's it's as varied and regional as any European cuisine mm-hmm. because it's 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 not a rich country. There's people don't think of important stuff from the other side of the country. They just use what's what's there around them, which gives lots of locality to the, each region and food. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can travel hundred kilometers and find a whole different range of chilies, or they use different tomatoes, or they use different meats or different techniques. Um, so it's it's just an adventure every every place you go. Love um, Mexican food. And yeah, I thought I knew something about Mexican food when I went over. And it turns out I knew nothing about Mexican yeah. food. It, yeah. uh, what, like you say, it's all under the same umbrella, Mexican and Tex-Mex. Yeah. Um, there's you know, another couple of branches. There's Cal-Mex and New Mex. Like Tex-Mex is obviously Texas-Mexican. Then there's Californian-Mexican, oh, New-Mexican-Mexican. Never knew that. No. There you go. Mind blowing. <laughs> Tex-Mex, Texican-Mexican. Yeah. Texican-Mexican. Well, as you know, or maybe... Texas and most of California and New Mexico used to be part of Mexico before yeah. they were given up in the, mm-hmm. in the Mexico uh, American War. So, like Mexico used to be almost twice the size yeah. as it is Learning now. Things today. Yeah. Culture, Culture yeah. perfect. So, I have um, a question. Yes. Okay, this is a bit off topic, but guacamole. Yes. How do you make like real proper guacamole? What is authentic? What is it? What is authentic? Well, yeah. What What should it be? <laughs> It's, in your opinion. Well, guacamole, the word guacamole comes from the Nahuatl language, which is the Aztec language. We are really we get, learning a lot today, can I we just get, say? We get quite a few words from there, actually. Uh, chocolate is from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomate, tomatoes. Um, uh, cacao comes from there. Um, aguacate, guacamole, and mole, which is a Mexican sauce, uh, which means mixture, mole. So guacamole is aguacate mole, avocado mixture. Wow, yeah. Um, 
to make a good guacamole, you need a ripe avocado mm. and a ripe Haas avocado. Um, what we get here is it's called a Haas avocado in Mexico. They also get the Haas avocados, but they have native avocados, um, which are much smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a very thin skin, you eat the skin and all of it. Um, super, super sweet, but they don't travel well. If you pick yeah. them off a tree and you bump them once, they're black in no time. They don't travel well. There's another species of avocado. It's like the Florida avocado. I mean, we've seen massive sort of frog yeah, green things, but yeah, really yeah. hard. Um, you can't make guacamole out of those because they don't have the fats in them. Uh, and I felt like Mr. Haas yeah, crossbred the two and he got the nice, sweet, soft native avocado and the durability of the Florida avocado, mm -hmm. which gives these transportable avocados, which are now about 80, 90% of the avocados in the world are, are Haas well, avocados. So you need one twice. of those. Avocado, salt, lime juice. That's it. That's it. That's right. it. That's all. That's well, a stand. That's a, a basic standard guacamole. Um, no coriander. No. They're all extras. Yeah. Uh, I like a bit of coriander and a wee bit of uh, uh, sweet onion or scallion in there. Um, yeah. But just a, a basic avocado, salt, lime is your guacamole. But you need a perfectly ripe avocado. You can't make it with an avocado. It's not ripe. Yeah. It's not sweet and it's not fat. Another mind blowing because you see all these recipes and they throw them. Like I've even seen tomatoes in it. But yeah. like, <laughs> you can't put tomatoes and stuff in there. I prefer to put them on top. I find if you put too many things in there, you lose the texture. Yeah, it's, and it's not even the bright green which you sort of want. Then yeah. And you're you want to see there's two colors in the avocado: the green and the yellow. Yeah. Um, and if you're if you mash it too much, it'll stay just one color. Uh, guacamole should be chunky. You should be able to see the two colors of the avocado in there, mm -hmm. and then whatever you want on top. But it's a great vehicle for other things. You can put like crispy bacon on there, or pork rinds, or fresh I'm cheese, hungry. or roasted chilies. <laughs> we do a. Uh, like guacamole especial, which would change quite often. We put different toppings on there, like pumpkin seeds or yeah, fresh cheese or a salsa oh or something like that on there. But bog yeah. standard classic guacamole is avocado, lime juice, salt. Done. I'm so hungry. Uh, well, moving on then to present day. So your current situation is you've got two restaurants yes. on the rip. Um, you're fully now specialized in Mexican. Yeah. You're away from all of the past of like... It, t it took a while to get specialized in Mexican. Like I, I was saying, I had a, a restaurant in Montreal mm -hmm. and every time I changed my menu, it was getting more and more Mexican. There was just right. Mexican oh, things good. coming left, right and center well, on there. And the, the owners were actually saying, you got to dial this back a bit. This is turning to a Mexican restaurant. I had a, it was a French bistro in Canada, <laughs> in Little Italy with a Northern Irish chef and it was turning into a Mexican and it was just a wee bit weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> a bit yeah. Weird. But yeah, I could just see my path was, was Mexican. That's all I wanted to cook. Mm -hmm. I was just getting bored of European food. Every time I had something, I wanted salsa on it. Yeah. I just yeah, wanted, yeah. most want that punch, that zing that Mexican food has. Flavor. It's that excitement, flavor. Yeah. 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 You know. Cool. It's my favorite Mexican food. hundred percent. This best yeah. food in the world. So what's your favorite Mexican food? Favorite item? That's probably like the hardest question. Yeah, yeah I have. I don't have a favorite. I've a favorites. Okay. More well, like a, the the one that was the game changer for me was um, barbacoa de res. It's a northern Mexican style mm -hmm. uh, braised beef head. Um, so braised they beef head. Yeah. So we take uh, a mixture of cheek, lips, tongue, <clears throat> go eyeballs and all if you want. But I'm not a fan. Uh, I like the mixture of cheek, lips, and tongue. Uh, it's just braised with uh, avocado leaf, bay leaf, black pepper, onion, garlic, and a big pot. And it's ripped the bits, chop it up with cleaver, put it into a tortilla, coriander, onion, lime, and it's absolutely mind blowing. That was what changed my mind about Mexican food. Is that yeah. it's so simple and so tasty, and yeah, they've got it nailed here. Yeah. So that would be one of my favorites. Carnitas is another favorite. Mm -hmm. It's a slow braised pork. It's slow, slowly simmered in pork lard, and again, just hacked up and put on the tortilla. It's really good. Um, 
other things would be salsas. Yeah. Uh, salsas really make Mexican food. Like salsa just means sauce in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So it's an all-encompassing word. You can go from it's the, a raw mixture of tomato, onion, chili, the something complex like a slowly simmered with seeds and nuts and dried fruit and things like that. It can it can be all over the place. Um, it gives a real sort of DIY sort of personalized nature to Mexican food mm-hmm. where you could have the same dish three days in a row and depending on what you put on at the end, it'll taste totally different. Um, most most uh, tacarias they would have their own salsas, but very mm-hmm. similar menus. Uh, you would look at the menus and there'd be lots of doubling up of, of, of the same dishes across different tacarias, but their salsas would be different. Is it authentic to have? Is it the hard shell shell no. tacos, or that's that's not? No, authentic? that's that's Tex-Mex thing. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, right. Um, in Mexico, you would it's get a you, would, you could get a crispy shell taco, but they would be called tacos dorados, mm-hmm. uh, golden tacos. So it'd either be folded and then fried, but they would be tight, kind of tightly closed. There wouldn't be that U-shaped yeah. El Paso style. Like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so El Paso's not a thing. El Paso, no. That's, <laughs> uh, that's in Texas. <laughs> uh, or they'll be rolled up and fried. That would be your crispy taco. But in general, mm. it's soft corn tortillas. If you go to a Mexican restaurant, they don't serve soft corn tortillas. You're not in the Mexican restaurant. You're okay. Right, right. Mexican restaurant or something like this that. This is actually just pure torture. Yeah, um, I'm like I know, I'm so hungry over this right now. I mean, they, they have a time and a place. Uh, they, yeah, you can... Flour tortillas, there is flour tortillas as well, uh, mm-hmm. but it's more in the northern states. I mean, corn's the staple uh, grain of Mexico, and the further north you go, you'll find some some wheat and make flour tortillas. Um, but in general, a taco goes in a soft corn tortilla. So we were talking about sauces. Yes. Do you have a super hot sauce that we could force Johnny into trying? Force Johnny? So I, d- I don't really have an option there. Well, a couple know? of hot sauces. Um, unlike... Hot chili sausages that, are buy, that you would buy that are made just deliberately to be painful. Mm-hmm. Ours are delicious sauces that happen to be hot at the same time. So you don't have any painful ones? Oh, it's pretty painful. Um, okay, I've perfect. got one uh, two perfect. seconds on grab it. Huh. So I uh, like the way I was forced into this. It wasn't like, Johnny, would you like to try some salsa? It was more like... No. Yeah. It's just Johnny's going to have salsa. This is probably going to finish us anyway, so yeah. I'll try this and yeah. Then we'll see how it goes. Coffee just enhancing the flavor. Yep, so clear my palate with coffee. Yeah. Dark black color should be warning enough. So this is made with, uh, <laughs> this is made with habanero peppers. Um, habanero are one of the hottest yeah, naturally occurring chilies in the world. So we burn them black, we burn tomatoes black, and we burn onions black, almost to ash, and then grind that together with some lime juice mm-hmm. and salt. Right. Stupid question as well. The different colors of the tor- tortillas. Different colors of corn. Yeah? yeah. Right. You can tell that I am so educated and cultured. Every day's a school day, Johnny. Yeah. Well, that's it. Always learning. I've learned a lot today, Adam. Thanks for You're not much. learning. You're not paying attention. Yeah. Ready Maybe for? I'll become a kitchen porter mm-hmm. in your restaurant and then change a career. Right. So we'll go harder, go home. Yeah, that was quite a lot. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not expecting the instant heat, but no doubt this will kick. Yeah, you do You do get quite an immediate heat with habaneros. Um, there's a couple of different species of chilies that give you their heat in a different way. Habaneros, you normally get it all at once, and then it fades away quite nicely. Um, okay? There's other chilies, like the um, bird-eye chilies and things like that, that would, they build and build and build, and you just can't uh-huh. get rid of it. Habanero that hits you all at once and fades away nicely, and you just, you're dying for a bit more. Yeah. Kind of addictive. Down for a bit more. Yeah, no, it is. It's really good. But as you said, it's like 
it's clearly hot, like I'm clearly struggling right now, but at, at the same time, it, I do weirdly want to go back for more, but that's, that's weird. Is it something like you release endorphins? Yeah, you're right. Um, when hot food, and that's why people are drawn to that or something? That's something like that, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I heard something about that, now someone will probably comment and tell me that that's wrong, but I believe you release endorphins, and that's what encourages us back to hot food, because otherwise, why would you sort of want to do that because my wife yeah, I love spicy food but it's I don't really like well, it. it's, it's, it's super invigorating and Sue and same your dad my hangover see something super hot and spicy like that it just sweats it right out of you <laughs> just, oh, no, uh, it really die. wakes you up and sweats it right out of you my taste buds now are just mm-hmm. going crazy but yeah no so amazing. that would be one of our one of our hotter Celsius with the uh, a couple of others that are around that level of heat but a different sort of heat delivery mm-hmm. uh, we use Arbol chilies yeah. which are they're just obnoxious wee things they just they're evil hot like it's really burny burny hot but we toast them and you get a lovely nutty flavor at the same time mm-hmm. but they would be a bit hotter have than you that got any? yes uh, not of the salsa i have the uh the chilies themselves no, we're, no. <laughs> we're not turning this into a destroy johnny's mouth I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> well if you can't think of any more questions or anything i'm cool adam that's been absolutely amazing okay okay um, learned so much uh yeah. Do you want to plug yourself? Anything cool that's happening? Any social media platforms? Yeah, we'll call a section oh, venting. Yeah. So vent. So elevator pitch. Vent elevator pitch. Elevator pitch is used too much. I, I don't speak jargon. What was it? Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. No, pitch. Yeah. <laughs> no well, uh, this is our, our second tackle here. Our uh, original one's still open in Castle Street. Um, we're open six days a week. We're closed on Wednesdays. This one's closed on Mondays. Mm-hmm. So there's seven day a week tacos in Belfast, at least. Um, we authentic tacos. Authentic tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Tacos. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll be able to find our, our full menu in both places. Um, and this restaurant's just opened up? Yep. Open on Friday there. Cool. Um, and if anybody knows any chefs, please send them my direction. <laughs> there you go. That is a massive plug. Yeah. So if you want the... If you're a chef looking to start out, Adam has worked from the ground up. His story is very inspirational. It is very much goes to the line of what we're doing, person of interest. Adam, you've been an absolute amazing person of interest. I think we need to do some tequilas now. Uh, Miss yeah. Cal. Miss Cal is what we want to do. Okay. Miss Cal tequilas. Let's go. Yes. Bring Thanks, on the shots. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy, but yeah. Yeah. Go. Is this like ASMR? <laughs>